Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, do you know what? I think we're recording this podcast at a very weird time as well. Um, because right now, as we're recording this, we don't really know what Rotherham's fate is. I think we do. It's a funny old game. <laughs> Comedians talking about football. Comedians talking about football. Welcome to episode 17 of Comedians Talking About Football. I'm Sam Michael. Uh, don't forget, we're coming near to the end of the series now. Uh, so if you have any questions for us, we're going to do a special right at the very, very end, maybe a couple of weeks after the last episode of series two, but we answer your questions. So if you have any, you can always email them to us at comedianstalkingaboutfootball at gmail.com or you can send us a message on Twitter or Instagram, where you should be following us anyway. Uh, same handle for both of them as always, at ComTalkFootyPod. So give us a follow on there if you haven't already. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the series so far as well. We've had some great guests on. I've really, really enjoyed it. Uh, we've had some really good episodes, I think. Um, and uh, if you have enjoyed it, I would really, really appreciate a, uh, a review whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Podchaser, whatever, really. It'd be hugely appreciated. If not, no worries. You can always tell your friends about the podcast if you think it's something they'd enjoy. But failing that, no worries. I'm just grateful you've listened to one episode. <laughs> anyway, my guest today is Jonathan Elston, and he is a comedian, and he's lived in Berkshire, like me. And uh, you know what that means? Yeah, we finally got an episode about Rotherham. Yeah, yeah. Now, growing up in Reading, I knew a lot of um, football fans who lived in the area, who were supporters of Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea—you know the usuals. But I've got to say, someone from Reading who supports Rotherham—that that's a new one for me. We certainly can't accuse him 
of uh, glory supporting. Anyway, <laughs> let's get straight into it. This is Jonathan Elston talking all things Rotherham. And I want to say as a disclaimer now, we did record this a matter of, I think, hours before Rotherham were confirmed to be relegated from the championship. So uh, anyway, Jonathan Elston, Rotherham United. Comedians talking about football. Um, I'm sure you've come across many uh, uh, glory supporters in our little town of Berkshire. You, you've got your Man United fans, your uh, your Arsenal fans, your Chelsea fans, even more embarrassingly in the last 10 years, your Man City fans. Um, and I was very surprised, you know, obviously I sat with, down with you one one evening when we were doing a, a comedy together. And I was like, so uh, do you like football? You're like, yeah, you know, I, I support a team up north. I thought, oh, here we go, another United fan. And it, well, you were a United fan, but you're a Rotherham United fan. Explain yourself, sir. Okay. Uh, so I grew up in Croydon. Uh, uh, from my childhood house, I could see Sellers Park. And uh, so obviously the natural conclusion was to be a Rotherham fan. Uh, <laughs> no, it, 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 my dad. It's mm. a classic, isn't it? My dad grew up in, born in Rotherham, big Rotherham fan. And he basically undertook what can only be described as a horrific hearts and minds campaign from the age of two years on <laughs> it was there was there was no it was you know at four either support Rotherham or maybe start paying your own rent somewhere <laughs> fair enough fair enough um I mean that's kind of the only way you could surely force someone into supporting Rotherham but yeah absolutely I just want to I just I feel I just want to start this off right I feel like Rotherham get a lot of <laughs> we seem to get a lot more negativity than I feel I feel like people have a much more negative opinion but they needed to. I, I listened to the Nathan Caton one the, the other day uh, of this podcast. Yeah. Right? And he said, oh, it was probably long ball because it was Rotherham. <laughs> I'm going to throw that out there. Do you want to start this off? Right. I don't know about you, but I would like to say I feel like Brentford fans are like Man City fans, where they seem to have forgotten where they were 10 years ago. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We play lovely football. Oh, it's so amazing. Oh, all this sort of stuff. And you go, you used to have Leo Fortune West up front. We remember. <laughs> oh, I don't know if we've started our first beef ever in comedians talking about football. Nathan Cates and Jonathan Elston. I'm just fight, saying. Fight, fight, fight. I'm just saying. I think Brentford are a wonderful club. I think they're the model that most football league clubs would love to follow. Hmm. And I'm very jealous of them. But let's not pretend they've always been this amazing free-flowing attacking football team <laughs> that we now see. Let's not pretend because they didn't. No. no, they used to be, to be honest, when like, I mean, I remember them a lot as a, uh, especially in, like you said 10 years ago they were like a league one team and it, when they came into the championship they were an easy kind of three points for a lot of the time um i said that's probably quite harsh i think you know that's coming from a team uh, who i support who are very much an easy three points so i probably shouldn't say that but yeah i, I do know what you mean um i mean rather a funny one because there are is it safe to say that they have kind of spent most of their time kind of in uh, the sort of I'd say top end of League One and the bottom end of the Championship. It's very they're almost like a yo-yo club, but for League One and Championship. Our natural habitat is probably about eighth in League One, right? <laughs> if, if Attenborough was to look through it, do you know what I mean? You know, if you yeah. look, he would say that's where we naturally are because we don't have the fan base anymore to support the costs of Championship, not consistently. 
But equally, we are big enough that we normally do well or reasonably well in League One. Of course, over many years, as a Robin fan, I've seen us be rubbish mm. in League Two. But generally speaking, top end of League One. Well, do you know what? I think we're recording this podcast at a very weird time as well. Um, because right now, as we're recording this, we don't really know what Rotherham's fate is. I think we do. <laughs> I was trying to be nice there. I felt bad about Nathan Caton coming on the show and having a go. And I always thought, no, I'll give him some hope. No, no maybe no, what? <laughs> I'm not delusional. I just feel sometimes Rotherham on those clubs that, oh, must be long ball up. Not, you know, I mean, come on, guys. Let's just, you know, let's not be hack about it, you know? Let's, yeah. let's look at the nuance. So, because I did think that we could do, I'll tell you what we'll do now, and I'm going to ask you two questions. Um, because by the time this podcast comes out, uh, there'll be an answer, basically. We'll know if Rotherham survived or if they went down. So I just thought the best thing to do, Jonathan, is to just ask you both. So first of all, oh, Jonathan, I'm really sorry to see Rotherham have gone back down to League One. Uh, it's a shame, really. You know, you came up in a really positive fashion last season and a difficult season as well the pandemic season and it's been a shame that you know in your season in the championship you've not been able to get get and see a game the fans haven't been able to get behind the closed doors so um so yeah just just how are you feeling now that the it's, it's all done and dusted and you've been relegated relieved <laughs> <laughs> i think if, if as as we've gone down obviously uh i think for a lot of uh, Rotherham fans, I think it's it's a hard watch in the Championship when you're watching us play against teams that we are financially mismatched against mm. at an almost incredible level. So it's hard to watch a season where you're hoping for 10 wins. And it's definitely much more enjoyable to watch it in a division, Rotherham division, where they're more competitive. So obviously no one likes relegation, but I think everyone's used to us leaving the Championship now. It's not, it's not a new feeling. <laughs> Um, and on the flip side to that, because again, as we record this, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, Jonathan, fantastic. What a season for Rotherham. The great escape. They've done it. Wayne Rooney's breakdown resulted in Derby getting relegated and Rotherham have survived. You've got championship football next season. It looks like the fans are getting back in there. You might be able to get a game in the championship. You can see them face the likes of who knows what your Sheffield United, uh, Swansea, if they don't go up, all these big teams. Uh, how are you feeling now that Rotherham have pulled off the, the unthinkable? I, I think I, I think I was one of the only fans that said I was sure we were going to stay up. <laughs> I was knew it. I had I had no doubt about it. I always felt we had it. I knew Warnie had the boys believing. I believed New York next year is going to be a fortress. Look at Barnsley. All I'm saying is. Super sick. You know, big leagues, we're going. <laughs> well, excellent. Many, many congratulations on that. What a final day. Oh, amazing. Um, and now, obviously, a third option. So, uh, the pandemic took a turn for the absolute worse, and football, as we know it, has been null and void, with no football existing from now on, and the European Super League now making a big comeback and returning, leaving Rotherham redundant. Jonathan, how much you feel? Oh, that's a, I mean, I would genuinely feel awful. <laughs> I would genuinely feel awful. Um, but I do also really like cricket, so I'd probably get by. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, there could be a Super League cricket. There is. You a exists. There we go. Shows what I know about cricket. Um... <laughs> it's a funny old game. So, from European Super League to <laughs> to Rotherham United. Um, so, what were your kind of early? As you said, you know, you, it was with your with your dad and everything that you you got into Rotherham. What were your kind of earlier memories of Rotherham? Who were the players when you started watching them? So, obviously, I'm I'm terrible. You know, as a kid, you always mix up what age you think you were when you saw football for yeah. the first time. Uh, I think the first player that I remember really falling in love with was, you know, when you, you know, when you watch a player and go, oh, he's, he's amazing. He's the best yeah. player that we're going to play. Was uh, Sean Gota. Yes. Um, who a lot of Man um, City fans, uh, I think Bristol City fans will will know. Uh, I went on to have a great career. At Reading as well. He, he popped in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was, I remember him uh, scoring a couple of goals on one of the first games I went to, I think we were probably playing Bournemouth way before Bournemouth were the Bournemouth they are now. Mm. And I just remember thinking, that's just, this is brilliant. This is great. He's an aggressive centre forward, knocking in the goals. We're winning. Football's the best thing. And Rotherham are obviously going to be like this forever. Yeah. <laughs> every game. Every game's going to be this good. Mm, maybe not so much. <laughs> And so what sort of year do, do you remember the sort of seasons that you you got into it was it kind of was it was it at the, during the time of the EFL was it more nationwide divisions back then oh yeah it probably would have been nationwide because I, I always remember my do, do you remember how hard it was to find football league highlights yeah growing up? it was always like 1am or something on BBC2 and was it like the Ensley was it was that it was that a sponsorship back then? yeah I think it was yeah that was our ITV I think yeah um, I remember it because I remember obviously we had the Football League show that was on the BBC where, you, where you'd stay up till 3 a.m. to watch Manish kind of dissect six seconds highlights of your 5 3 fl- thrashing, and that then it'd quickly go to Steve Claridge and you'd go, What do you think about that? And he'd go, Well, at the end of the day, it's football, and that would be it for like 80 games, and then but it would finish about six, six o'clock the next morning. Then before that, you had um, the, the championship. Which was, do you remember the ITV short lived the Premiership? They basically yeah. took all the branding and like sparkle from that and put it on the Championship. I think that was on at about seven in the morning on a Sunday or something like that. Yeah, the other one was, uh, I think it would have been ITV because didn't, it wasn't that around the time I think ITV Digital. I mean, we haven't really talked about that, but they, they, um, I mean, I haven't talked about it before in the podcast, but it's quite a big thing that happened to us who were like, you know, non-Premier League teams um, in, in the EFL. I mean, that that was a, a huge thing then. Yeah, it really brought money into the, you know, it was it was really, the it brought a lot of money. And I think that time did coincide with Rotherham. Again, I might be horribly wrong in the years, but it did coincide with us going up from League One to the Championship, or then Division Two to Division One, as I, as it would have been then. And it was all very exciting, wasn't it? There was yeah. money, it was all was on TV. Uh, didn't they work out that it would have been cheaper for ITV to take every single football fan that subscribed out for a dinner and a hotel stay? Yeah, something <laughs> like that. It was, And the money that went in was, was insane. I mean, that's why if you look at the league back then, outside the Premiership, obviously, uh, which, which I think still back then was Division 1, Division 2, Division 3, and then the Nationals. Yeah, it was uh, a completely different 
it was different football and not just because of the time but i mean so many kind of clubs benefited from it and said well we're gonna buy all these players and go a bit nuts and then some of them played it safe and went this is too risky and, and, and didn't take didn't didn't take any risks but a lot of clubs really were affected by the what happened to itv digital when it all went wrong so yeah it was a, it was a strange one it was a weird time wasn't it i think I think I look back on that time of football it, uh, to me, because I think you always romanticise the football you watched as a child. Is that right? I don't yeah. know if it's just me, but I remember thinking, I look back now and go, I wish football was like that. I mean, you know, stood, stood up watching, fo- and you know, now I'm like, oh, I wish I could stand as a football. Back then as an 11-year-old, I was knackered and I just really wanted to sit down. But at the time it was all, you could stand up with a football. Mm. Uh, it seemed to be more... I think, especially when you look at a championship level, what was exciting was you didn't have to have the best team. You could you could get by with <clears throat> a good bunch of players and team spirit, and you could be competitive. While I think now in the championship, if you don't have a budget, you really can't compete at all. And I think mm. that showed how many teams are going up and going down. And that was, and also you used to be able to. I don't know, like even the loan market seemed more fun back then because you used to get players that were actually in the first team, not out of their fourth year on the academy, having never played first team football before. Yeah. You used to like, you'd like sometimes look at like Liverpool's bench and go, oh, we might get him, you know, because we were in the championship. Well, now obviously there's, there's no way a club like Rotherham would take anyone off Liverpool's bench, um, not with the form they're in anyway. Um, and I think that was, for me, that was what I loved about football was it was competitive. Well, now I feel like, I, I know money's always ruled the roost and it's always the bigger clubs and stuff, but it feels almost impossible for someone to give it a go nowadays. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because we have seen, you were talking earlier about how your kind of safe space of Rotherham is top of the championship, bottom of, sorry, um, bottom of the championship top of league one but you have seen teams like Barnsley that were in that position for so long that you mentioned earlier who who have made a jump up and are now competing at the playoffs um how are you it, feeling about the playoffs about having not made it are you are you okay well you... again we've we've filmed this at a, a great time where you boys really could have done us a favor but uh you, you didn't uh and then we well, with our lot yeah I mean we uh yeah, we didn't make it. But do you know what? Second half of the season, I think it was coming a, lo- a long way off. It wasn't just kind of this last minute slip up. It had been terrible for us the second half of the season. So, you know, it was, it, to me, when it happened, it wasn't a huge surprise. Um, but then I suppose, again, it, it goes that, that Reading for a long time have been bottom of the championship. And suddenly this year, we've managed to turn things around again and compete up the top. But having said that and seeing these teams that jump up, I'm not sure the financial situation at Barnsley. I don't know if anything's drastically changed. But do you think there is too much of a gap now in the Championship, almost mirroring the Premier League? Because you could kind of look at the beginning of the season and you know that the teams who've got money, Norwich, Watford, Swansea, you know, are, are going to be at the top end of the table. And then when you look at like Rotherham, like Wickham, you kind of think this is going to be tough. Mm, massively and I'm like for example a couple of years ago I went away to watch Rotherham play Villa in the championship mm. and because being a Rotherham fan going away at Villa is a massive day out like you know that's that's that would normally have to be a, a, a cup tie mm. and I looked at the teams and I did a, I remember being a bit geeky at it and I think they had 68 million pounds worth of player on the pitch yeah and we had 2.5 million pounds worth of player on the pitch and 
I think it's fair to say we got absolutely fucking dicked. And it 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 but it wasn't even competitive. It, it looked like two it looked like a cup tie, not two teams in the same division. Well that's the issue, isn't it? Because I mean, I remember we beat um we beat Coventry City earlier this season. I think we beat them 3-0. And it was at a time we'd come off a bit of a bad run. And but then when I looked at the I did a similar thing. Well, it wasn't me who did it, it was a Coventry fan who said, Well, George Puskas didn't even play, was worth more than their entire squad. And you kind of think, Ugh, like that's where we are now in the championship. I mean, don't get me wrong, you've had the odd year where let's say a team of kind of punched above their weight and slipped into the championship. Take like Yeovil. Like, I mean, that was insane. I mean, I remember going to Yeovil away and they didn't even have, you know, a cover over their away stand and most well, of the stadium back then. It was mad. And now I think Yeovil now are in are in the National League. So, I, yeah, I mean, they, I, they were literally gone from the Championship to the National League in less than 10 years. So it's it's crazy, really. But there are a lot of teams now where it, it is a shame. You know, the fact that like Coventry City, who again, 20 years ago, Premier League, Dion Dublin, you know, big, good players. And they're now kind of, you know, playing against teams where, like, no one big, Reading, where the, the, a, a striker who didn't even play is worth more than their squad. It's The, the gulf is getting bigger. The the way... I, I've read so interestingly that apparently they're saying that maybe bizarrely Brexit might change it. Oh, really? In what way? Um, because you can't do a Norwich or a Brentford anymore. Because someone looked at it and said most of Norwich and Brentford's players that they've signed currently who was in the championship they signed would not have got in on the point system oh uh, okay so appa- so apparently the market's going to fall out the championship because the wages aren't there because they won't be able to bring in i mean unless they're going to suddenly go find the equipment from south america which i guess they might but mm. you know it's going to take a while for teams to do that so apparently that might perversely drop the caliber in the championship of the standards and also Prem teams will take the top end championship players for their squads. Yeah. So it might lower the standards over five years, which is, I'm trying to work out if I'm happy or sad about that. Well, it's, it's interesting on that because there are a lot of teams, ours included. I don't know what the situation is at Rotherham, but have you got much of a youth squad? Or yeah, I don't think much of a youth squad. Like, that's one of my big frustrations is mm. that I get what I get that we can't afford to buy championship players, but we don't seem to make that many either. Yeah, see, that's where I think that's literally kept us afloat in the last um, few years is the fact that we've been able to develop players, um, you know, like Sigurdsson, like Shane Long, who we who we can develop. They get good. And unfortunately, we can't keep hold of them half the time, but we can sell them on for a lot of money. And I mean, that has saved us from the tax man, I know, on many occasions. Um, so, yeah, in, in that situation, teams like ourselves who have, who have like a, a youth academy might benefit from that. But for, for teams like yourself who are already not that financially well off, like you were saying, you know, where they are with the support and, and everything. Um, although I would say I've seen Rotherham players. There's, they're a good, they're passionate supporters. Yeah, very loud, you know. It's a, it's a classic but, Northern working town fan base, as yeah. I say sounding like one of the most white middle-class guys ever <laughs> from from the south do you know what i mean but it's that classic you know not south yorkshire that if, if they'll get behind it if it's good like classic isn't it classic football fans all we want to see is effort no it isn't we want to watch good footballers as well yeah or we'll forgive a lot more if someone looks like they're giving a shit 
Because the New York Stadium behind me is, uh, is was it like twelve and a half thousand, something like that? Yeah, just which I think is. So I think our average gate is about eight thousand, eight nine thousand. Yeah. So it's it makes sense. Like we're not, you know, but apparently there's room to build. You know, again, if you got in, I don't know. Say you did a Barnsley and you got up, but at least it means mm. we're not going to do a Darlington where you've got twenty five thousand seater mausoleum. Do you know what I mean? You don't. No one wants that. No. I was quite surprised to see how small Brentford's ground was. I think they've only put fifteen thousand in top of the championship. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know kind of where that decision came from because. Obviously, they they went from Griffin Park, and that was a small, small. I love that ground. I was so glad I got to go, especially under the top when you know, like, and they got the fans at the top, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's a proper like that was a proper foot. Uh, sounding like um, not my dad, but you know what I mean. That's a proper football yeah. away day, isn't it? You know, what yeah, I mean? it was one of the best to do, and it's a shame that it's gone now. And then when they built the new stadium. I went to the game with a with a friend of mine who's a Brentford fan, and he said, "We'll have a little drive past afterwards." And we went past, and I was like, "Really? That's you know, it's nice, but it's." I thought it'd be bigger. And when I've had like you, when I found out the attendance, I thought you know, especially at the time, I maybe maybe the plans came in when they didn't know they were going to be competing for the Premier League. Well, maybe they made the plans when it's the Leo Fortune West up front. Yeah, <laughs> exactly um, that. But we've got we are lucky. In, in my opinion, we've got a great owner, and that makes a difference. He's he's done. He's he saved the club, and he seems to be one of the guys that is. He looks more to safeguarding us than overstretching us. And I know it can be frustrating when you don't see much when you see us struggling perennially in the championship. But having seen my club nearly disappear mm. uh, as a younger fan, I'd always value someone making sure the club exists next year over trying to get into the prem. Yeah, I did have a little look, a bit of my research before. I did see that there seemed to be quite a lot of satisfaction from um, Rotherham fans of how the clubs run, uh, and of course the owner as well. A couple of episodes ago, I had Martin Ratton on, who was a, who was who is a Portsmouth fan, and I asked him about the situation with them because they are very much now in the same position. I'd say no, even they are a very run of the mill League One team. You and... one now, and the, the standard is crazy. Sunderland, yeah, this year you had Sunderland, Hull, Ipswich, uh, Port, you know, the, you've got like FA Cups and stuff in that, of you know course. I mean? like, yeah, but the one thing I do think is that I feel like League One are also a bit of like the naughty step because they all sort of be, do you know what I mean? It seems to be full of teams who have kind of been a little bit complacent with their money. So, you know, you have to watch the first series of Sunderland till I die to see the absolute state of what happened there. Um, you know, there was uh, what. What I love is um, my wife's not really into football, but she was told you should watch Sunderland till I die. And I'd already seen it, but she started watching it when she was off work. Um, and she texted me one day, and I, I said, "You know, what are you up to?" I said, "What are you up to?" She said, "I'm watching Sunderland till I die." And I was like, "Oh, great!" I'm thinking you won't like this. And then about half an hour later, she just sent me a text saying, "Jack Rodwell is a complete prick. Why won't he just fuck off and let him?" Spend? And it's like that's the sort of thing. I love that, but that is the sort of thing that happened. You know, and same with, uh, you know, same sort of thing happened uh, with Ipswich. I know they got into to a bit of an issue there, and uh, similarly with um, obviously with Portsmouth. And I asked Martin. I said, "Right, would you rather that?" During the Redknapp era, they said, right, enough's enough. You're not getting crouched. You're not getting Defoe. Play it safe. Play it easy. Let's just, you know, see ourselves off in the champion, uh, in the premiership. If we go down, we go down. 
and we'll just, you know, keep ourselves in the black and stay safe? Or would you rather they did what they did, you won the FA Cup, you got into Europe, you played against, uh, who was it, Milan, under the floodlights at Fratton Park. And he said, you know, taking aside all the stuff happened to local businesses, which he says, I know you can't do, but still, if you put that to one side and talk hypothetically, he says, I wouldn't change a thing. So for yourself, would you... I think that's very different when you're talking about genuine success. Yeah. As in European football, FA Cup wins. Yeah. Top end of the Prem to finishing below Preston by a point. Mm. I think that's the difference. Where if you said to me, we can stretch it, have three years in the Prem, and then we'll end up in League Two for five years, sign me up, baby. Get me, I'm, <laughs> I'm there. Uh, but I suppose that's the question would you take the risk because obviously they had to take a risk and go let's just go for it pile our money in do a few dodgy deals grab these players in and, and go would, would you would you take the risk if some you know uh, uh, you know a new owner comes in maybe with a bit of a shady past starts saying right we're going to get these players in we're going to sign we're going to sign that Liverpool bench player we're going to sign this guy from Man City and we're going to go for it. We're going to just get ourselves through the championship. Would you, would you feel uneasy about that? Or would you be like, yeah, sod it. We, we, we've enjoyed our quiet time for too long. I think like every football fan, you're going to be torn, aren't you? You're going to be absolutely hypocrite, aren't you? You're going to, you're, you're going to be like, I think it's different. I think you ask a Portsmouth fan that, and it's fine because their club exists. If you yeah. ask Stockport County fan that question, they might, you know, has Stockport gone out of business? I feel like they have. Have they? I don't know. Very have definitely gone out of business. You know what I mean? It's that sort of issue, I think. But it would be fun, wouldn't it? It's a fun journey, for sure, to try and see if you can get some success. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? Because, I mean, one of the comparisons I had was um, was Ipswich mm. and how they spent, I think it was something like maybe 11 years in the championship, 9, 10, 11 years in the championship, with just finishing kind of 12. And they hated Mick McCarthy, didn't they? The fan base. They hated yeah. him with absolute passion. And uh, they, they paid the price, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a funny one because they obviously when he left, it, what I normally do on this show, but I've just lost them, is I, uh, I do emergency facts. But what I have just done is I have accidentally gone and deleted them, that I had them all here. <laughs> Uh, oh, here we go. I found one at last. Um, so first fact, uh, I wonder if you know about this. Um, the New York Stadium, or as it's now known, the ASL, ASL, it's like someone couldn't spell Arsenal properly, ASL New York Stadium. I'm sure it's just still known as the New York Stadium to the uh, the loyal Rotherham fans. But do you know why it's called the New York Stadium? It's because the steel that was made in the area was sent to New York. Yes, to build fire hydrants. I did not know that bit. There you go. Those famous fire hydrants you see on um, I don't know, Sesame Street, I suppose. That's the nearest thing I could think of. Films, you know, when someone knocks it and the water comes out and they yeah, all go so and play in it. A yellow cab drives past. A yellow cab drives past and someone goes, ah, that rather um United. <laughs> so there we go. There's a, a, an, emergency, an emergency fact for you. Um, and I've, I've lost it, but that's a fine fact, isn't it? That'll I think that's do. enough. I don't know how much. I mean, I don't imagine people listen to this are listening to it for the Rotherham fact. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, that, oh, maybe uh, oh, no, I know another one if I can find it again. Um, <laughs> which I thought was quite good. Uh, was the highest ever attendance 
Um, because I always find whenever I do these highest ever attendances, they're always re- they're always really weird years, like nineteen twenty three or you know nineteen eleven, where you had kind of no control of crowds and you could just ram everyone in and and you know there'd be no security and things like that um but do you know when rotherham united's highest ever attendance was and what the match was gonna guess maybe like an fa cup semi-final or something in the 60s well i'll tell you uh that in not the in 1959 slash 1960 season they're involved in some epic fa cup battles with the mighty arsenal uh, teams drew at Millimore in a third round tie and against the odds they drew in the replay at Highbury in front of a crowd of 57,598 it just shows you how little was going on in those years wasn't it <laughs> people, <laughs> people really did, did they, you know they really had nothing else going on did they <laughs> well you, you say that but I mean that should can we really count that because that was obviously an away game that took place um and that's I think taking you know any sort of finals out as well but what you really want to know is what is the biggest attendance ever at the New York Stadium that's what you want to know right uh it was the only reason I've didn't done the podcast if I'm honest <laughs> well I'll tell you what I would be I'll tell you how much money it was it was 11,000 758 can you guess the year that this match took place and can you guess the team who you were up against um i will say the team would be considered i suppose a bit a bit of a rivalry like it's not really close like it's not like a like a barnsley but it's kind of close-ish leeds hmm no, uh, no, um, so no idea. Two, Sheffield United. Oh, Sheffield United. Oh, see, they're, they're, they're a big, they're a big rival. And 2017. Oh, do you know what? you're quite close? It's it's 2013. I mean, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be at that ground, right? Surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Millmore, I reckon we we had bigger crowds than that. Oh, of I course, mean, yeah. But that's that's still quite quite something. You know, twenty. What was going on in twenty thirteen? Was that quite a good season for your boys? I mean, Adam Lafondre had gone by then, so surely. Well, if we're playing two thousand and thirteen, we're in championship, wouldn't it? Oh no, it was it was League One. I've got it here actually. It was was it? No, it was League One. Yeah, I was going to say. I thought. I, I'm terrible at working out years versus, do you know what I mean? I'm like, you mm. know, when people go, oh, did you know what, who were the cup final in 2006? I'm like, nah, no idea. But I remember the players. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of, but 2013, yeah, League One, big game, I guess. It's not far, is it? It's only 20 yeah. minutes away. Affordable football, just goes to show you can pack your grounds out. The emergency facts for you then, all <laughs> compiled into one <laughs> from my deleted sheet. There were probably some more, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just grateful we don't have to do the quiz anymore. The most unpopular part of this podcast. The bloody well, I quiz. listened to the Nathan Cale one and there was meant to be 10 questions, but I only heard two in the quiz. Right, because how does no one get this? This is why it's gone. Because I've genuinely, I think, burnt bridges with comedians over this quiz. <laughs> they come on and we have this great chat about football and I'm like, I'm in with these guys. Like, they are, he, It's going to end this call and he's going to go, we should, um, we should write together, man. We should get together. <laughs> Have you ever done what the week? Because I think, you know, this is going to be... And what it is, right, is it's called the sudden death. Sudden death, 10-question shootout, right? Sudden death, yeah. ten, you get 10 questions. If you get one wrong, it's all gone. 
The whole thing's uh, gone. Oh. The most you can get is 10 quid. No one understands it. I even had to make a graphic and put it on social media for people to understand. And uh, who have I, I've upset people with this quest line of questioning uh, to the point where I had to just pull it. I had to just pull it. Um, the Martin Ratton one took a turn for the worst. Pompey, when one of the questions was about one of their players and how they died. And it was like a recent death of a player and it was horrific. And we just said, should we just end it here? Let's just end the podcast. He's like, yeah, good idea. Um, and then the other one was like with Nathan Gaten, is that there? it's become infamous, the Nathan Gaten episode for this, which is that the joke always was that the questions came from somewhere shite, like yeah. the Beano or newsround.com. But they're always like an odd question that caught you out. Um, and sometimes really upset people because <laughs> they were like, you "Just you just made me look stupid. Just made me lose on a CBBC quiz." Um, but there weren't many uh, Brentford quizzes, so I found one on this London dot live or something. I thought, "Oh, this will be fine." And the first question was something like, "When were they?" I went, "This will do." And I went, "Fine." And when I got to question three, it was something impossible. Like in their very first existence in the season, what was the name of the kit man? And Nathan Caton's face, you can see it on the video, he just loses his shit. He's just like, what are you doing? And, like, and Nathan's a super lovely bloke and super great. passionate fan. But I was just like, oh, man, the question must have gone so bad, you just edit it out. Like, that's what I thought would happen. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, sounds it edits it. Like, maybe it's maybe kicked off. Like, maybe there's drama. Like, I, I don't know. But I get it now, sudden death. I was just, yeah. I think the funniest thing about that interview as well was that... Um, we talked quite a lot about before what had happened recently, Brentford's main kind of era of success came during the second world war. And it was quite funny finding out that, you know, the pandemic had knocked out pretty much a whole season for, for mm. three, four months. But during world war two, Brentford were bombed during the blitz, but they only missed five games of football before resuming. I thought that because Rotherham missed more games this year because of COVID. Yeah, Exactly. It's nuts that you're actually getting blitzed and like the, the stadium was bombed. And uh, what I've cracked you up is you've seen like what, I mean, these days you see um, like groundsmen, they look like surgeons. They come out there like almost with like a scalpel kit and start cutting up the grass, making sure it's good. Back then, a groundsman was literally a guy with a broom and a bit of sawdust. And I <laughs> yeah, love the like, idea uh, of like grounds getting bombed. <laughs> they just come out, nah, that'll do. That's all right. Just sweep that off. In my mind, Harry Redknapp was still like managing back then. And was just like, hit, hit the channels, hit the channels, get, get the ball, get the ball in the craters, and fucking do them. Get them in the craters and knock it about. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, there'll be no quiz today <laughs> or ever again. <laughs> Uh, a much more popular gimmick we like to run we'll do now which is i'd like you to pick a fantasy five-a-side rotherham united football team but the team must consist of, shall we say, cult-like players. So players that mean something to you. It doesn't necessarily yep. have to be, you know, Sean Gauthier or, or you know, Lafondrel, these, you know, these players who went on to be, you know, uh, big top goal scorers. Just players who meant something to you, Jonathan Nelson. So who have you got? So in goal, 
I've got Mike Pollitt. Mike Pollitt, okay. Yeah, uh, people have known him more famously when he came on for Wigan in the League Cup final um, some years ago for the injured someone or other, and he played very well, but still lost. Uh, he's the best keeper I've ever seen. He did leave one year for Chesterfield for more money, but we don't talk about it. It's a bit like, you know, if someone has an affair and they come back and they sort of manage to make it okay. It's that sort of situation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I mean? where, you know, the trust never really got rebuilt, but, we, you know, we, we had some good holidays afterwards. We had some good times. <laughs> um, I, I picked a defender here. I've gone, I have actually picked some of our best players and I, I just because, but yeah. Maybe I should have done a few more mentions. But anyway, one of my uh, other players I've got is uh, Carrie Arneson. Right, okay. Uh, uh, he came and played centre-back for us, and he was wonderful. Uh, it was hilarious. We signed him when we were in League Two from the Scottish Prem because apparently we were just chucking the money around at that point. And, um, ICV Digital Money. Yeah, I think it was It was after that. It was unfortunately under the, the, the Steve Evans reign. I don't Ooh, know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard about that. Yeah, everyone mm. has. It's... We got a lot of success under Evans, but it was quite, with quite a lot of shame attached. <laughs> it was, you know what I mean. It was a bit like, you know, it was a bit like having a one night stand. You're sort of proud, but sort of not so proud, you know. <laughs> um, but he was a wonderful player, ball playing uh, centre back. Uh, so much time in the ball. Nothing funnier though than watching a ball playing centre back play League Two. Just mm. the absolute panic on their face when they take the ball down and try and play it into midfield, <laughs> but only to realise. There is no midfield. <laughs> um, but what a wonderful player. Best centre back I've ever seen us play. Uh, he played in the World Cup for Iceland, played against in the Champions League against Ronaldo. Um, yeah, by far and away the best player. Um, I used to partner for a while, I think. Uh, either, not, yeah, um, either Inga Marsen for, for Iceland. What, yeah. a, what a centre back they would have made. Solid. Yeah, just, just wonderful. Just so much time on the ball. And, didn't matter how many times Robin fans told him to hoof it, he wouldn't. He was the man of his <laughs> principles. <laughs> um, gone for Leif Recklington as well. Right. Uh, our captain uh, for a while. Um, All-action midfielder, box-to-box. Our captain when we got promoted to the championship the first time I'm in the New York Stadium, scored the winner. Just very, very good player. Left on good terms. Just, yeah, one of my favourite. Although, I nearly... I nearly went Kevin Watson because I knew you'd have enjoyed that. Yeah, ex ex Reading player, and mm. um, but I realised I couldn't. It was a debate, but I thought I can't have too much Reading love on the, on this. Uh, and then I've gone. I have gone Lafondra. Yes, good old Alfie. Gone Alfie. Uh, great goal scorer. I can't believe how little you bought him for us, like 300 grand. It was absolutely... It's mad, isn't it? Considering he, you know, a couple of years later was in the, the Premiership. Uh, it's it's nuts, really, really. And just, just yeah, top finisher. Loved him. Um, and then I've gone uh, Will Hoskins uh, for my other uh, up-front player. Yeah. Uh, played for Watford and a few others, but he scored a lot of goals at a time where I was... I was about 16. I was loving my football. And he was just, he was again, one, one of our own youth mm-hmm. player came through, scored loads of goals. Genuinely one of my favourite players I've ever seen. So that will be my top five. Uh, I'd also like to say honourable mentions for Chris Edrick, mm-hmm. uh, right winger. I loved him, but he was a Wednesday fan. He then played the end of his career for Wednesday. You, you, there's only so much you can forgive. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And Ben Pringle as well. Love them. Great uh, ball playing uh, left mid. Uh, great set pieces. But I put Freckington ahead of him because captain. And he Freckington pulled the badge a lot more. And I'm, I'm easily won over by people that kiss the badge. It's, it's all a bit of a mercenary kind of act that now, isn't it? Kissing the badge because... I mean, I I'd never forget Tevez doing it at United and then doing it a couple of well months later at City. It's it's kind of similar for comedy, isn't it? You just take it where you just take the work where it is, don't you? <laughs> exactly. Don't yeah. If I have to kiss, you know, a comedy store just badge the and then just the tonic. yeah, just the tonic. Yeah. <laughs> and then next week you got the glee, giving it the big one. <laughs> exactly no, that. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm here. I'm here for the season. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about comedy then, actually, because uh, we met a couple of summers ago Mm. at uh, at a comedy club out in Wiltshire Way, which was which was fun. An intro. Great, it, was a, it, was, it was really good. It was the Crick Lake Comedy Club. That's the one. Crick Lake. I was trying to think of what it was called. Yeah, Run it was by Michael Colweg. Lovely, lovely guy. Uh, lovely guy. Big, muscly wrestler as well. Oh, you wouldn't knock over his pint, would you? You would not, no. Um, but what I'd forget is just the kind of halfway through the, your set was just this moment of, it's a bit weird here, isn't it? And I think you're going to kill me. And they they were loving it, absolutely loving it. But they did just kind of come to like 10 minutes of you just being like... It was really hot as well. It was like insanely hot. It was like it, it was like July or something, wasn't it? But it was yeah. like, it was properly hot. And there was about, what, 100 people in, give or take? Is that about right? I probably, I think it was, might have been more. I think, I think if I remember right, you told me it was 130, 140, something like yeah, that. Yeah, really well attended. Mm. But it was like, it was beer garden weather, but there was 120 people in a darkened room. Yeah. And it was, it was good fun. It was, I think it was, it's quite a new, it was quite a new comedy club, wasn't it? I think it might have only been the third night they've done. So yeah. I think it was sort of an audience getting used to what live comedy looks like or what stand up looks like. <laughs> but it was, it was really, really cool. And then off the back of that, we, uh, we get, I, you very kindly had me over at yours at, uh, at some um, comedy at Milk. Um, where with Andrew Lawrence, yeah, and nice, nice. come the pandemic. Um, mm. So, what's what's your current situation with 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 comedy at Milk? Are you, you going to continue to? Because I know you do things all over the place. We, we had actually something booked in for Leicester that we cool. were going to do together, and obviously that got pulled back because lockdown two came in. But where, um, what sort of thing have you got going on and going on now as you return back to comedy? So I don't want to boast, but I uh, actually did a gig, done two gigs already. On the Blimey. Well, outside, where have you done them? I've done, uh, my Leicester club, luckily, I uh, had managed to get local council approval to do outdoor shows even before the 17th of May. I know this will be in the future, but that was quite a big deadline. Mm. So we managed to do two shows already. Um, so my club in Leicester is going to be outdoors every single Monday. Um, oh, great. All the way through to the end of September. Obviously, you should come up and do one when you're... When, you, when you're free. Oh, thank you. Because um, we were going to do this face-to-face, weren't we? 
Yeah, that was the plan, I think. That was literally, I think every interview I was going to do was going to be face-to-face, and I think I've done two face-to-face. I've, I've been to Jacob Hawley's flat. In the height of the pandemic, I went to London and popped to his thing. It was literally like two days before lockdown, I think I went to, to see him and his pregnant partner. So that was nice and safe. And then I popped to Bristol the day before that as well to see John Matthews again, <laughs> right as we were, as the sort of pandemic was coming in. So, yeah, bit of a weird atmosphere, that one because just before we, we started recording with Jacob he was literally sat there saying you know I, I don't know if I'm going to have a job in a couple of weeks and okay. a lot of people you know obviously you know we we run clubs and it was all it was all pulled um, and yeah you did run some great gigs over the summer I saw you, you managed to get obviously Leicester thing started up again and I saw you did shows with Jeff Norcott um, how how did they they all go they look packed they were great I mean the order we've been lucky as well in comedy and lucky is obviously a relative term but because music and a lot of other art forms haven't been able to return in any form since the first of COVID started I think comedy's managed to get some new fans coming because people are looking for stuff to do and the only thing that is on is drive-in cinema or comedy because tribute bands haven't been on you know actual music hasn't Mm. been on no one likes magicians really do they maybe I don't know (laughs) I couldn't think of anything worse, to be honest. Um, sorry, all the wonderful magicians I work with, you're all very talented. Um, and it's not in any way weird that you have a goldfish out with you in a nightclub. Um, and I think that people are, I think as, as people are loving Zoom and Zoom's great, but I think people are desperate for that live entertainment fix and that, and that connection to something. So I've been lucky that my Leicester club did every Monday. We managed to stay outdoors until October 26th, which is fucking crazy if you think about it mm. people were stood outside like sat outside in the cold for these shows uh the lineups were i, I do say so myself pretty amazing acts like you say jeff norcott marcus briggs dr lisa yeah. chaponda reggie hunter um and so that club's going every monday again all the way through to the end of september is the plan so far we've got acts booked like sir pasco um wow Sindhu V, Catherine Bohart, Marcus Briggs that's coming back, Nabil Abdul Rashid's coming down, Sarah Barron, Cardonley, uh, Simon Brodkin, uh, Omar Dejali, all these acts are coming down. So wow. that's going to be pretty cool. And that's every Monday. Uh, every from what day? Uh, well, from, from, from the past. Um, <laughs> oh, because it's already uh, obviously started going. But so so as from now, uh, so where, from, where where is it in Leicester? Where so, can we find tickets? All that. So it's called the Black Horse in Aylston, uh, which is uh, postcode is LE28NA. Um, and if you just Google gigantic giggles in the garden, that will take you to the tickets. Uh, and all tickets are £10, regardless of how famous the acts are on. So it's Brilliant. a pretty, pretty amazing night, to be honest. Uh, and then I've got a club in Bracknell, uh, where I live. Uh, and out, we're going outdoors. We did a few outdoors shows last year with Nathan Caton and Marlon Davis, uh, which were good fun. And we've got the first show sold out with uh, Nabil Abdul Rashid. And then we've got Darren Harriet, uh, Stephen Bailey, and Laura Lex as our headliners, plus many other great acts. So you can find that stuff out at Laughter Craft Comedy, which is my company, comedy Excellent. company website, and that sort of stuff. And hopefully Comedy at Milk will be back. Um, but 
not not while social distancing is a thing because it's a small little comedy club it is quite a cozy place yeah it's a, it's a great night but it's it is quite a cozy one it's a bit like with my one as well we, we we literally run it in a pub that's normally closed on a monday and they open up exclusively for us but it is very very much packed in so i don't know if and when we're going to be able to return to that particular venue um but at the end of the day though i mean you say that you know things have already opened up and stuff but even when this goes out um I still think comedy is going to be harder to find than it has been, and it will be for a little while. So to have a regular weekly show, and with that caliber of, I mean, this is an open mic night. This is, you know, a high caliber of acts. That's that's fantastic. So I'll make sure that we we plug that again at the end of the show because a lot of people are asking me. I know just general people who've never shown an interest in what I do before are saying, look, I want to go and see some comedy. Where can I go? And I mean, people like I had a, a friend of mine over in. Uh, I think it was Norfolk the other day. He said, do you know anything about comedy in Norfolk? And I was like, why? And he's like, I just want to go. I just, I've heard it's opening up again and I don't know where to go. People want to do stuff, don't they? They want to yeah. have that live connection. And I think I'd, I've not done any online comedy because I, I saw a lot of the right. videos you've been doing. And I think they're brilliant. Especially like the ones in the, in the, uh, the green room are very funny. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, um, and I enjoy that a lot, but, for me, there's nothing quite replaces that luck. It's a bit like football. It's, it's the exact same mm. thing as football. Like I watched the Carabao Cup final thing the other day and it was so nice to hear real fans in the ground. Yeah, it was. And it's the same with comedy. As much as you can enjoy a Zoom show for what it is, there's nothing like being in a group of like-minded people having a good time. And that's the... I mean, I say that as if I'm a Rotherham fan. I don't think I've ever actually had a good time watching us, but <laughs> it's nice to be with people while you're being miserable um the, I was uh, I was watching the Rotherham game. I watched a northern amount of football during lockdown. I don't know mm. about you. Yeah. Um because board I've never watched as much Champions League, Premiership, that sort of stuff. But because of Rotherham's COVID, we've been on Sky a lot more recently because we've been yeah. on odd days. And my wife, who doesn't like football, she'll come and meet the odd game. I said, I can always tell when you're watching Rotherham because the football's in the air a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> And then she, and then she just went, and I went, no, 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 it's not always like that. Just as I sent her back, hoofed it down the channel. She went, she went, look, boom. Brilliant. That is classic. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even mind as well, but we're in the championship. This is one of the best teams we've ever had. I was like, you weren't there when we were in the terrible athletic stadium in League Two. You didn't see how bad that was. <laughs> I've got a, a random football story if you want to hear it. I Go for know. it, yeah, yeah. So he um, was friends with a, um, a guy he worked with um, whose wife was Chinese, right? Mm. This, is, this is... And... Weirdly, uh, his friend was a big Coventry fan, right? So his, his, his friend's a big Coventry fan, his wife's Chinese, right? At which point, Frank Nuble moves from Coventry to a Chinese team. Hmm. But weirdly, so then my mate Tom's friend ends up uh, tweeting him saying, oh, good to see you in China. I'll support you while I'm in China. He ends up then getting message back from Frank going, can you help me? 
translate my contract. (laughs) (laughs) So he ends up having to like, he ends up like involved massively with Frank Nouvelet's move to this Chinese Super League. Not (laughs) Uh, because his wife's Chinese and they're they're all helping and they're, they're texting and they're going, yeah, this means this, this means that. Oh my God. And, um, and then the last time he'd heard from him was he got a text, which must have been a group text, that Frank Nubley sent out asking if anyone wanted to buy his Range Rover. <laughs> it's good that he's kept them in the loop. He thought, oh, there's I mean, nice people who translated. They must have a bit of money. <laughs> I'm like, I've got that story slightly skewed, but it's give or take. Some, it's, it's in that world where he goes from just being a commentary fan to sending him a tweet to suddenly helping, in, helping him negotiate his contract in China. Imagine that. That's amazing. That is absolutely I mean, amazing. Because I know that Twitter and social media, especially as we're talking now, is obviously a massive vehicle for hatred at times. Yeah. And, it is awful. and there's that horrible side to it. But I think it's also amazing because I don't know, I can't, I don't want to say you're the same age as me, Sam, but I think we're we're, we're similar-ish. Mm. And when we were growing up, we had no access to our football no. at all that we loved. They were, they were superheroes. You didn't get to, you couldn't get hold of them. Do you know what I mean? You just wasn't a no. thing. And I think it's quite cool now that if and if players want to interact with fans, they've got that option. When I first joined Twitter around 2010, it was completely different. It was complete. It was, in my opinion, better. Twitter was better back then. I, I find it quite a horrible place now. I, I have to wind myself off it every now and then. I have to just delete it off my phone for a week or two and try oh, not to. Yeah, it, it, it's a horrible thing. It can be really I... bad. But but back then, I really felt like you could join a community. So mm. I mean, I, I had you know loads of followers who were all just reading fans and it was really sweet i mean i remember when we went to the playoff final in 2011 someone had actually worked out a little like seating uh-huh. thing where everyone could say like where it was like at and then their username went and we worked out where everyone was sat so on the actual day we could so i know that oh two seats over there there's at royals legend 69er and i'd go and speak to him if you want to abuse a player you've got to do it the old-fashioned way buy the corner flag wait for him to take a corner and then you call him a fucking wanker that's the old school that's way. the only way yeah. those are the old rules you go away Gillingham. you let andy hessen tyler <laughs> as he's walking off you call him a fucking dick you scream at him everyone knows the game they know the rules <laughs> you know the rules everyone's involved exactly um, and but it's... on that on that note of uh football i one of my highlights of my comedy career uh, relating back to football was I, I got booked to do Paul Warren's testimonial. Right, okay. I'm a Rotherham football manager. Now, that, that, as we point out, the problem is I, I am a Rotherham fan. I do love Rotherham. I don't sound like a Rotherham fan. <laughs> so when I walk on to do this testimonial at, in Rotherham, obviously, in a working men's club, um, and I go, hi, I'm a Rotherham fan. You just see the disbelief in everyone. You know, I think you're like... Sure you are, dickhead. Sure you are. Name the reserve team from 1994. Otherwise, I don't think you're really a fan. Um, but this was one of the most embarrassing moments as a footballer of all, uh, as a football fan of all time. Was at the time one of our ex players. I had a generally good gig. I was hosting it. I did a Q and A with Paul. It was great fun. Obviously, I was like a giddy little child meeting all the players because mm. uh, Paul Warren was a player when I was a teenager, so massive fan, and he was part of that successful team in the early 2000s. I was meeting all the players and um, we had Ryan Creswell playing for us, right? And as you know, there's, as a football fan, there's quite a few Creswells within football. Mm. More famously, Richard Creswell. Yeah. I spent the whole night 
the whole night. Oh, no. The whole night. From the stage, referring to him as Richard Fetler. <laughs> like, the whole night. Like, not like once, and I made it up, and I was like, oh, there you go. The whole night. I reckon I probably referred to him 20 times. Shook his hand at the end. Had a beer with him. I knew it was called Ryan. I knew it. Oh, man. But what was worse, it didn't twig into my head until halfway home. <laughs> so you probably so, left it quite a high. Go, yeah, well, I'm in I there now. I such a high. I'm like, high. I've done the gig. Paul Warren's given me his phone number. We're going to be mates. I'm going to help with the coaching. Like, you know, this is going to be like uh, Steve Evans, a matter of time. He slagged off Steve Evans. I slagged off Steve Evans. Oh, guys, I was, I was ready to book the trip to Malaga. Do you know what I mean? I mm. was like, we are going to be boys. And I was driving down the M1 for the joys of life. And then just the dread. You know that moment where you just, it just hits your stomach and you go, no, I didn't, did I? I didn't. I did. I did. And I'd, I'd called him the wrong name, a player I respected who loved for our club. He was a captain, centre-back, iconic player, Rotherham, a born and bred player, loved it. Called him the wrong name to his face in front of 200 people for the whole night. God. Oh, so I did, man. I, I did tweet him to apologise and I just got a like, which I don't <laughs> quite... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, you know that thing where you're like... Hey, you've been taken away. The privileges should be taken away. <laughs> oh, sorry, I called you the wrong name. <laughs> you didn't say it in the tweet, did you? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, at Richard. I, yeah, oh, yeah, fine, I'm attacking Richard. <laughs> no, just horrific. Just even... It's one of those memories that every now and then it'll just pop into my head. You know that one yeah. where you're just like, you're just loading the dishwasher and then just... <laughs> The horror just dropped into, <laughs> into the stomach. It was, yeah. Oh, awful. mate. I didn't get paid. I just got free pucker pie and peas. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most Rotherham thing ever. <laughs> I, got, I got pucker pies and peas. And um, I did, yeah, I think I did it. For, I, know I, did, I got a VIP day at the stadium, to be fair. But, you know, it was, it was, oh, there's your, another rum and coke, please. <laughs> <laughs> It's a strange one, really, because I, I kicked off this podcast in, uh, pun fully intended, uh, in March 2020. And I, and I was sort of at the time a little bit like, maybe this is a really crap time to start a, 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 a football podcast. You should start at the beginning of the season or at the end of the season, maybe. And, and, you know, I thought, well, we're time to do it March two months before the season end. But then literally as episode one went out, lockdown came in a few days later and it's kind of been more comedians talking about football in lockdown. I mean, this could easily be, I mean, it's going to, I don't know what it's going to date it massively, but you know, I want these podcasts to be mainly for fans. And I understand that it's going to be people listening to this episode who are Rotherham fans and will have no interest in listening to a Brentford episode, a Portsmouth episode, a Man City episode. And, um, and you know, some people are just going to be general football fans. I want to listen to it. Some people are going to be comedy fans, not really care about the football, just listen to it. But I was always a bit wary about whether it would date it. Um, but I, I think it has actually been quite interesting to talk to comedians and as as fans of football and see how they've coped with, with lockdown. And it's it's quite strange that this will probably be the last time we really go into it because come series three, which I'm probably going to leave for, for quite a while, 
will I hopefully think will be when everything's pretty much back to normal. Well, yeah, and then you've got the whole um, back to back to it. How's it feel? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But but thanks, man. It's been it's really really good to chat. Like like we said, you know, lockdown has been um, a, a, a strange thing, and it's been good for me. I mean, I haven't done many online gigs, but I think I've done two or three. But my favourite part of doing anything online during lockdown, whether it be the podcast or online gig, is just chatting to people about comedy and about football who I haven't seen in ages. So it's been good to chat to you, mate. It's good, man. It's the worst thing about this lockdown has been the isolation. I think. Yeah, the problem is people have managed to. You you, you don't realise how many interactions you used to have until you get them all taken away. Yeah, and you've noticed it at gigs that reopened, as in the ones that opened last time, is before comedians would finish their gig and run home as soon as possible. Mm. But for the first time, noticing comics hanging around and chatting because they've been on their own properly on their own for months, and then they're like, "Let's just have a chat," because this is actually quite pleasant to be in a room full of other people for a change. Yeah, and I think it has actually improved the podcast. You know, when I when the first couple of episodes was really kind of, you know, running into it was John John and as I said John and um and and Jacob were the only ones I recorded in person, and it was very much kind of it not uh not rushed, but it was kind of like there are other things going on. It was a Saturday afternoon. Both me and Jacob had gigs to get to that night. We knew this had to be done on, in an hour. Same one with John. It was before we both did his night in Bristol. We knew this has to be, but with lockdown, it's been, you know, I, first thing Nathan Caton says in this episode is it's great to talk to someone else that isn't my girlfriend. And it's, you know, and, and I mean, bless him, Mike Fenton Stevens, who could only give me an hour for Man United. I think we ended up staying on our Zoom call for about four hours <laughs> chatting about all sorts. I think that's the joy as well, as you enjoy doing the podcast, is, like, is that I can come up with that like that story about the um, uh, the testimonial, which is probably the funniest story I said today, and you can edit that back in to work. Yeah. Because you've spoken long enough, you've found the good stuff, something good that you can put into it. Well, if you're in a rush, you just kind of like, boom, 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 that will have to do. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And and what I've really appreciated is is that we've had some lovely feedback from listeners. A lot of it has just been like it's 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 pub chat that I don't get anymore. It's 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 people in like we're in a pub. We'd probably have half this conversation anyway if we got onto the subject of Rotherham. We would probably just have this chat anyway after a gig or something like that. Yeah, be like, oh Lafondra, he was great, wasn't he? Can't believe you bought it. Like that's the stuff you just chat, you know what I mean? Like it's just normal Yeah, it's just Exactly. Just people being people. Bought for £300,000, sold for £9 million. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> And on that bombshell. <laughs> oh, I must say, oh, before you go, you don't you don't obviously leave empty-handed. Um, I'm a Rotherham fan, we always leave empty-handed. <laughs> you, you don't today. You, uh, I've got you a shirt, oh, I hope this comes out, I've got you a shirt to send oh, to you. Oh. Um, so, apology, I don't know your wardrobe, so if you don't have it already, then... Um, I, I, I don't know. Well, hopefully, if not, we can get you something else. But, uh, yeah, I've got a Rotherham... Uh, I don't know what season that is. I couldn't tell you. Didn't do enough research, as I said. But I'll get that sent out to you as a thank you for coming on the podcast. I'll tell you what, you can bring it to Leicester when you come and do the gig. Oh, deal. Absolutely brilliant. Deal. Done. All right, thank you very much, Rocket. I really appreciate it, mate. Yes, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Jonathan. Really enjoyed the chat as always. Uh, I'm going to miss these podcasts when they're over. 
I'm, uh, I really am. Uh, anyway, what, one thing I won't miss is Zoom gigs and lockdown. And with comedy nights open up again, make sure you go and check out one of Jonathan's uh, nights. If you're in Berkshire, you can catch him around Reading or in Bracknell. And if you're in the Leicestershire area, don't forget the Black Horse in Aylstone. He's running comedy every Monday uh, all the way throughout the summer. And I'm going to be there at one of them as well. So if you can get down there on... Let me check my dates really quickly. I should have done that before I recorded this outro. Yes, it's Monday the 12th of July. You can catch me there and you can come and tell me how much you love the podcast uh, or how much you love the podcast and hate me. Um, I'm easy either way. I'm easy either way, but don't have a go at the podcast. In the meantime, follow us on social media at comfootytalk. That's at comfootytalk. Find us with that handle on Twitter and Instagram. Drop us a message if you want to ask a question for the very, very, very last episode of the series. That's uh, comedians talking about football at gmail.com. And check out the YouTube channel as well. Loads of extra stuff on there. Search comedians talking about football into YouTube and uh, we should pop up. Uh, can I say comedians talking about football anymore in an outro? Uh, comedians talking about football, comedians talking about football, comedians talking about football. I obviously can. Right, until next time, thanks very much for listening. Cheers. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.